Pulp MX Network Production. Welcome to the Pulp Hockey Show with Steve Mathis. Support the show by clicking the Amazon banner on PulpHockey.com before shopping. Follow the show on Twitter at Pulp Hockey. Subscribe on iTunes and find us on Stitcher or your favorite podcast app. Welcome, everybody, to the Pulp Hockey Podcast Show. Thanks for listening. I'm Steve Mathis, and uh, thanks to the folks at Two Under for coming on board. Use the code Ferraro20 to save yourself money. Ray's not on the show anymore, but you can use his name and 20 to get 20% discount on Two Under. The number two, UNDR, saves you money. The best men's underwear out there. A lot of NHL players wear it, as well as uh, the guy on the, on the line here, too. And RideyBoards.com, 15% off if you use the code Pulp. It's a uh, it's a Ridey board. It's the first portable restickable hockey whiteboard that sticks to virtually any surface. Tired of drawing plays over plexiglass? The solution is here. Stick them to the rink glass, peel it off, slap it up, take it down. Sticks without bubbles, leaves no residue. Thanks to those guys for coming on board. Thanks to Two Under. With me on the line... Former NHL player, 970 games played, uh, now coaching uh, the Utica Comets of the AHL, which is a Vancouver Canucks affiliate. Travis Green. Travis, thanks. Uh, welcome to the show. Hey, Steve. Thanks for having me, man. Ray, uh, Ray owes you. Your 93 time you spent with Ray the Islanders, that's probably where you got to know him. He owes you for, <laughs> for this. So <laughs> He does. He, uh, I actually owe him, that's for sure. He, uh, <laughs> Ray got hurt, uh, was kind enough to, I believe he hurt his knee. Uh-huh. And uh, that was uh, kind of the segue into me getting my chance to come up with uh, with the Islanders. How many times did he tell you how many goals you scored in that one year? And Brandon, did you ever? Does he bring that up a lot? Oh my God! How many times did Ray <laughs> talk about goals? Like, <laughs> you think he's bad now? You should have saw when he played. <laughs> Just always chirp. I heard he was a good chirper. I heard he was really uh, he's good. Really good. <laughs> yeah, he was. I was. I guess. I guess '93. It wasn't that year. That wasn't when I came up. Uh, it would have been '91 or two. I can't remember. It's so long ago. But, yeah, yeah. Uh, I learned a lot of my chirping uh, skills from Ray Ferrero. He he was uh, he was good at it. Yeah, ninety two, ninety three. You split between Capital District, which I think I don't even know where that is. Is that Maryland? Was it down in Maryland? Uh, Capital District is no, it's in New York. <laughs> oh, okay. By, uh, Albany. Oh, okay. It's Troy, New York. Oh, yeah. Troy. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, ninety two, ninety three. And then you guys went on that run in the playoffs, where Trey again. Yeah. He'll tell you how he assisted on Volek's goal in overtime. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, he uh, Ray was obviously a huge part of our team that year and had an amazing playoff. And uh, you know, you're looking back at my career that. I was fortunate enough as a rookie to yeah to be involved in that year, and uh, it's still it's one of the highlights of my career. Yeah, really, right? Um, and also, yeah. too, we'll get into the heartbreaking uh, Leafs loss. Me as a Leaf fan, we'll get into that. But um, <laughs> hey. First of all, congratulations. Whenever I read uh, the internet and they talk about hot coaching hires, uh, your name is one of them. I don't, I'm sure you've, you follow that closely, but um, you're doing a great job. First of all, you got a WHA, WHL title, went to the Memorial Cup uh, in a bit of a half season, which is it's a little weird uh, for you. You step behind the bench, and then now you're, you're coaching Utica. You guys are having a good season, 27-19-5 right now, and Again, like when I read, like, hey, who's the next hot coach? Travis Green's name comes up. So I guess you must be enjoying it. I am. Uh, you know, I, I'll be honest. I, I 
everyone says it, but I try not to read about things. And I, when I got into coaching, uh, there was a reason I went back to junior. Mm-hmm. Uh, strong belief in, in how I wanted to go about my coaching career. And, and I got a lot of respect for coaches. I, I You know, you, you can ask a lot of my coaches. They probably wouldn't think that from my younger years of playing that I didn't have any respect for them. But uh, the last, you know, the last half of my career, I... Right. I knew I wanted to stay in the game, and uh, but I also knew that there's a, a, you know, there's a lot that goes into coaching, and I didn't want to make it into a sprint. I wanted to make sure that I, I went took the proper steps, and and I was fortunate enough to, to start in Portland and yeah. uh, coach under Mike Johnson, and and it's been uh, it's been a fun ride. I really enjoy it. Uh, you know, I, I never, you know, people have asked me this year if they think I'm ready to go up to the NHL, and and. Uh, you know, I feel like I'm I'm knocking on the door right now, and mm-hmm. hopefully someone gives me a chance uh, gives me a chance. Yeah, the uh, I just was reading up on you before doing this. Uh, you turned down Mike, who's in Pittsburgh, who was in Pittsburgh, uh, to to be an assistant there because again, um, you chose the buses and the AHL life because that's you want to be a head coach, and and it's tough. Um, there's different ways that coaches do it. Like it seems like there's different fads. People take assistance from winning teams. Sometimes people take uh, junior coaches. But I guess in your eyes, you turn Mike down because, hey, you, you being a head guy is, is, you know, even though you're on the buses, that's what's going to get you uh, to the big show, right? Well, it was. It was, you know, anytime you get a a job, to, to an offer to go to the NHL, and, you know, obviously Mike and I have a great relationship, and, and uh, you know, coaching with him, I learned a lot. He gave me a lot of responsibility. It was almost like I was an associate coach after a couple of years in Portland. Mm-hmm. And... It, you know that that's a hard offer to turn down. Sure. Yeah. Uh, but for me, it, it came down to a couple of things. It was ultimately uh, when I got into this, I wanted to coach in the in the NHL as a head coach, and I enjoy being a head coach right now. Uh, and and I I also signed a contract to coach with the Vancouver Canucks because I felt you know that, that yep. loyalty, and I felt like we had started something in Utica that I, I thought was special, mm-hmm. and uh, I wanted to go back and continue uh, going down that road that I was on. Right. Yeah, I did one of these with Dean Everson, and a longtime assistant with the Capitals, of course, played for a long, forever. And he was getting interviews, and he was getting turned down, and he thought, you know what? I got to be a head guy. And now he's in Milwaukee, yeah. and, um, you know, he's trying to get to, to the NHL level. He just thought that more people would want him if he ran a bench. And um, so that's what he's doing. Well, there's a lot to actually, you know, you talk to anyone that's been a head coach and an assistant coach, or it's such a big difference. Right. Uh, it might not sound like it from the outside, but it is. It's, it's almost like a different job. And, <laughs> right. uh, you know, you, a head coach needs to have good assistance. Uh, and you're doing a lot of different things. You're, you're running the benches is one thing, speaking to the team, uh, how you speak to the team, uh, at what times, and then, you know, there's an art to it. There's no, there's no, uh, it's no coincidence that certain coaches last a long time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you can't copy coaches, but you've got to put your work in, and you got to learn from past coaches. What's What's crazy is is like it. It wasn't that long ago that you were a very good competitive NHL player. This has been like a quick rise for you. Uh, I guess I, did you take some time off after you? I mean, you played in Switzerland, but did you take time off after that, or did you just get right into no, it? No, you know what? I didn't. I got right into it. Right. I, uh, I I went to Switzerland and. It was one of the best things I did. I trained. I trained that summer. Uh-huh. Uh, really wanted to come back. I felt like I had more to give in the NHL, and I wasn't happy with 
the way my year had ended the, the year before. And, uh, you know, I wasn't going to get a job. It became clear in mm-hmm. October, November. And I went over to Switzerland, and I really enjoyed the last half of the year. Got to play for Team Canada at the Spengler Cup. Uh, had a great experience and, and probably could have signed for another two years over there. But yep. uh, the, Portland, uh, the Portland team was sold, and the owner, Bill Gallagher, bought the team. And they came to me to see if I was interested in being assistant GM, assistant coach. Uh, and it just felt like the timing was right. Yep. I, I, I knew I wanted to get into coaching and, and managing. You know, I wasn't sure if I wanted to coach or try to get into the management side. And I just, I'm a strong believer in junior hockey, and not only for players but you know, for coaching and, and right. a breeding ground for coaches and, and managers. And and uh, I just felt like that was the right time. It was close to where my kids are in California, Portland is. Yeah. And uh, it felt right. You're uh, you're in Utica now, and that we, I go there every year. I stay at the Radisson downtown. Uh, there's a motorcycle race south of the city or south of the town in Unadilla, and that is a gritty town. <laughs> that, that, yeah, it is. It that is. town. There's a there's a there's a unique charm to Utica, and um, but how is the how's it living there and playing and coaching a team there? Well, it's it's different for sure. Uh, you know. It, I've spent a lot of time in the NHL. I've, right. <laughs> I've lived in big cities, and you come. But I, I grew up in Castlegar, British Columbia. Okay. And uh, I, you know, I'm. I consider myself a small town, small town guy. Like, I'm comfortable in a small town. Mm-hmm. My parents still live in Castlegar, and uh, you know, I, I embraced it. Yeah. Uh, the city's been great. Uh, has there been? You know, there's some long weeks here because I don't sure. come out here uh, by myself, but. Uh, you know, I put a lot of time. It gives me a lot of time to put into to uh, being at the rink and doing video and, and mm-hmm. not having a, that constraint on me. And, and I live literally three minutes from the rink, four minutes from the rink. So oh, wow. it, I never feel like I can come in and work in the morning and practice, go home for a couple hours, kind of get recharged. And then, for example, right now it's 6 o'clock and I'm, I just came back here to, you know, to work tonight. And uh, I like that routine and I like being close to the rink. Uh, you know, I like being in the arena. So, yeah. it, you know, the city's a gritty town, like you said. It, yeah. It's, uh, but the the city's really taken to our team, and I think our team uh, plays in a style which the city likes. Mm-hmm. You know, we play a hard game, we play a heavy game, and uh, it's kind of it describes how the city is a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I'd say. Um, hey, is Chris Higgins still down, right? He hasn't been called up? Yeah. Yeah, so... You're again. You're a guy that, like, seriously, not that long ago, you were probably playing against him, and he's down there. Um, you know, obviously, he wants to be in the NHL. He's probably not super pumped to be in Utica, but how's that going with him? How's he doing? I guess you're, you've obviously uh, told him, gave him some advice, and you know, from that sort of end of things, uh, how's that going with him? You know what? It's uh, whenever you get a player. It's teetering, I would say, on the end of his career and trying to uh, keep his career alive. Mm-hmm. I've had a few guys come down, and you always worry how they're going to be. Yep. Uh, you know, are they going to? Is their attitude going to be right? Uh, where are they mentally? And uh, you know, I, I I had a long talk with Higgy when he first got to town. Uh, I kind of gave him my idea of how this is going to go down for him. He's going to. You know, there's going to be some tough times and, and kind of what my expectations were and what his expectations were. And I think the good thing is that we were both on the same page right away. 
you know, I was honest with him. I told him I didn't think his game was was where where it should be at. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought he had lost a step just from not having a training camp and breaking his foot, and he just hadn't got in, into a groove really. And, and his timing was off. And uh, he, did, he he agreed with me, which was good. Yeah. And I also told him that he's going to get pushed here a lot harder uh, than he was at the NHL. It's a little bit different down here. We have more practice time, and he wasn't going to be used to that. And, uh, you know, there's not as much travel, so it's going to be different. But I thought it was going to be good for him. And it's been, I guess, almost a month now, maybe longer. Mm-hmm. And uh, I met with him again yesterday, and we talked about his game, actually. And we're both on the same page right now. Like he's, He looks like a different player. Uh, his skating is is back to where I think they're close to where I thought it sh- you know, should be. And mm-hmm. uh, a lot of nights he's our best player right now. Oh, that's good. Yeah, that's good. So, yeah, yeah you, a, a lot yeah. of it, again, you were, you were never in that situation. You, you, you know, once you made the league, you never went down. Um, but you can certainly relate to that. And a lot of times, guys, it's it's – the experience of being down there is sort of like embrace it. If you don't embrace it, it's going to be miserable, right? I mean, it's going well, to be. Well, if you don't embrace it, your career is going to be over. Yeah. And we talked about that. Like, uh, yeah. you know, it wasn't a warning. I was just honest. I said, like, you're, right. you're either got to be in or you're going to be in the way. And if you're in the way, it's not good. It's not going to end well for you. And if you're in, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. I'm in too. And I'm going to push you to get you back to the NHL. And we're both going to push in the right direction. And I think you're going to really enjoy it actually. Like if you embrace it, you're going to love it. You're going to, you're going to enjoy playing hockey again. I, I almost equated it to when I went over to Switzerland. Right. I, I, you know, I fell in love with the game over there. Uh, just playing again and playing a lot and handling the puck. And I thought that's what Higgy needed. And, uh, you know, he's been, he's been good. And he's been a great example for our young guys. He works hard. He's a pro. And, uh, you know, that's part of what we teach down here. When uh, in your, as far as a lot of organizations are trying to align the AHL to the NHL team, I, you know, and the Leafs are big on that. And 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 I'm wondering how much do you talk to Jim Benning or Willie Desjardins about your coaching methods and all that? How much are they hands on? And and I guess obviously maybe wow. there's an assistant GM instead of Benning, but somebody you deal with like uh, about what's going well, on. As far as style of play, I, I I think that varies from team to team. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, I think Willie and I have a lot of the same ideas as far as how we want to play the game. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, uh, but Willie's not, he also understands he's coached in this league. He knows that you can't just run a power play a certain way. If like, I can't, our guys can't do the things. That the city, <laughs> right. Yeah, example. exactly. You know, yeah, they, right. Don't, they don't think that way. They're, they haven't played together for 30 years on the same line. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so I think that would be a hard situation, but I do know a lot of teams do that. Like I know, like you said, the Leafs, they do a lot of the same systems. Uh, and ours aren't, it's not rocket science nowadays. I believe, too, the players need to learn how to play in different systems mm-hmm. and how to change from game to game. And, and that's also coaching. You've got to change your system. I don't think you can have just one system and say, hey, this is how we're going to play. Right. Uh, the way our team plays and the way. Uh, Toronto Marlies play are probably two different ways. You know, they, they they've probably got a lot more skill than us. And as a coach, you've got to realize you still got to coach your team. It's easy to say, I want to do this. I want to do that. But you've got to put some thought into it and see where you're at with your team. So uh, as far as co- uh, styles of play go, it's been pretty free reign for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as who I deal with up there, I, 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 I talk to Willie a lot. I, I talk with John Weisbrot a lot. 
about our team itself and the personnel. And, uh, you know, it's my third year now. I think they, they understand and have faith in how I handle our players. Right. Uh, the approach I have, uh, I'd like to think I'm pretty hands-on. And, uh, you know, I, I can be hard on guys, but I, I also have, a, I think I have a good feeling for when you have to let up on guys and not be too hard. And, and uh, yeah, it's a, I always try to be honest with my players. It's a different league now, even in the AHL. There's no Mike Keenans anymore just barking at you and telling you what yeah. to do, right? You These guys are asking no, why and how and everything else. Yeah, they are. And I think, uh, you know, as a player, you, there's a certain way that I remember how I wanted to be treated. Um, and, it, you know, every coach has their own way of dealing with it. Uh, there are guys that are hard. There's guys that are probably not hard enough. And then there's guys that are in between. And, right. and uh, I think you, if you're a good coach, you got a really good feel for your players, not just as a group, but as individuals. And, uh, you know, a big part of coaching today is how do you get the most out of your players? How mm-hmm. do you get them to play their best? And sometimes you have to look past how you feel and, and think about how the player feels. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, you were coached by Al Arbor. You were coached by Pat Quinn. You, uh, Mike Sullivan, uh, Bob Francis. You had a lot of coaches in your career. And like you said, maybe half of them thought you didn't. Half of them are probably very surprised you're in coaching, like you said. But, but um, <laughs> wh- who did you learn a lot from? Who do you? Is there a guy that taught you the most or you model your coaching after as far uh, as, the, you know, all that? I, I would never say that I model it after anyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think that you've got to be your own person. Yep. Uh, I think I've learned a lot from all the coaches uh, that I've had. Um, you know, there's obviously things that stand out. Uh, Al Arbor was my rookie coach in the NHL. <clears throat> he uh, he's a great man, uh, great coach, mm-hmm. but uh, just a real good person. And, and a lot like Pat Quinn, uh, where you felt like, you know, they cared about you as a person. Uh you know, Al had a real knack for knowing when to push and when not to push. But uh, you know, I, I can't. I don't have a lot of bad things to say about any of my coaches. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of them, I obviously I didn't agree with some of the things they did, and uh, uh, you know, I've yeah. put that into the mental bank as well. And uh, but I've learned a lot from all of them, one way or the other. And, and I've had a lot of great, really good coaches that helped me along the way. You know, Paul Maurice. Had a really good coach that uh, you know I learned a lot from. Like you said, Mike Sullivan, uh, you know Randy Carlisle. Uh, you know I, I've been fortunate to, throughout my career to have some good coaches. Right. Yeah, and I really and, and yeah, like you said, some guys. I'm sure that you were like, okay, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do it this way. That whatever happened, right? Yeah, so, there there, yeah. there was. I mean, I'd yep. be lying if I if I said it, sure. if there wasn't. There's, and I'm sure there's guys that are you know that have played under me that have they yeah, might probably lay day leave and say, you know what, I'll never do that to a player. But I've also, I've told my players that, Hey, any coach that tells you that he's right all the, all the time, he's lying to you. Yeah. And I'm going to make mistakes. You know, I'm going to make mistakes. Yeah. Coaches make mistakes. And if they, if they say they don't, they're lying. And, uh, you know, I, I I'm young enough too that I, I'm obviously, I have to be real honest with, with myself and realize when I've made a mistake, so I can become better, mm-hmm. and I look, you know, I look back from my years in Portland to my rookie year here, and and I think I, le- I make a lot less mistakes now than I did then, right. and 
you know, that's part of growing as a coach. You want to grow as a player, you also got to grow as a coach. And, and the day you stop doing that, probably the day you're you're done coaching or playing you know yeah yeah no true true that uh, how much uh how much do you rely on analytics or how much do you use analytics how much do you think about them obviously when you played none of us knew all we had was plus minus but right now there's right Corsi and pdo and zone entries and zone exits and as a fan as a guy you know following the game i'm confused sometimes on what really matters and what doesn't but right you know in a, in a broad sense what how do you uh, embrace it or do you well, we don't have the luxury of getting, right? You know, being able to use them here. I, I can see them from the outside. Uh, we don't have someone doing our course every night, or you know, zone entries. We've had many, you know, many samples of it where Vancouver's done and done, done three games of ours <clears throat> at a time and broken them down. But I've I've talked about it a lot. I've listened to people talk about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what it's done for me, really, is it's validated my thoughts on the game and how the game should be played. Um, it's funny. I've, I've had my own ideas about how, how I believe you have to have success yep. ultimately to win in the NHL and to win at any level. And what all this has done for me is really validated. And, uh, you know, will I use it when I, if I get to the NHL? Obviously, I will. Uh, but there's certain parts of it that I really... I really think that are important, and I, but I also think that you can overdo it as well. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. There's a guy. There's something to be said for a guy behind the bench, knowing what's going on with his players' personal, personal life-wise, or game to game, or whatever. What they did, mm-hmm. if they went on a bender the night before, or anything like that. Yeah. Because you know, there's all these guys in the in on Twitter, Travis, that are experts, and the coach are not impl- not deploying his. Pr- players properly and i'm always like well don't you think that just maybe the coach knows a little more about things that you know matter i.e you know uh, and there's yeah there's certain stats that well, there's certain parts that go into you know uh, maybe a certain player is matched up against a guy that has a great you know that is a a defenseman that's really good at breaking the puck out yep or a line that's really good at entering and you know maybe they enter the zone a certain percentage of time, and uh-huh. you know that night yeah. they had a good they had a good entry percentage, but it was lower than their average. So the guy that actually was on the ice, he would look like he didn't do a good job, but in reality, he did. Yeah, right. And yeah. Yeah. you know, those are the things that you know no one probably talks about. They just say that Opatar's line entered yeah fifty five percent of the time, but no one knows that they actually normally enter sixty five. And uh, sure. The guy did a good job. <clears throat> yeah, Daryl Sutter, and probably not embracing analytics that much, and it's working out okay. No. Yeah, no, but again, like his yeah. style of play is, yeah, is you know, it's probably conducive to the analytics. Like it, it lines up the way he sure. believes the game should be played. Probably just so happens that it matches up with the yeah. analytics where you have success. Yeah, yeah. And what? there's no, there's no secret. The good teams, the teams that have to puck the most, the teams that don't have to dump the puck <laughs> right. the most. They have the best analytics. Yeah, really, not, right? Yeah. I mean, they've broken the game down in a sense to the analytics, but at the end of the day, the team that has the puck the most. <laughs> yeah, funny how that works, right? Analytics. <laughs> right, yeah. right, right, yeah. Yeah, funny how that works. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the Pulp Hockey Podcast Show. Having a good time doing it, and uh, thanks to our guys for coming on board over at Righty Board. Righty Board's Power Play Whiteboard is hockey's first restickable portable hockey whiteboard that goes wherever you go. 
Whether it's needed at one end of the rink or one end of the country, the power play board sticks to any surface your team needs it. Vivid graphics and a white background on the front. Removable, long-lasting, air-free adhesive on the back. Visualization is now your ultimate weapon. It's the most versatile, practical, and simple-to-use whiteboard in the world. Every rink, every team, every coach needs to get a few of these power play whiteboards and check them out. Use the code PULP at writeyboards.com, W-R-I-T-E-Y, boards.com, to get 15% off your power play board. All right, back to the show. Um, Travis, Travis Green here on the Pulp Hockey Podcast. Let's get into your career a little bit. Uh, we touched on that Islander run with Ray and and, uh, and the guys. Um, it's pretty amazing the run that was. I mean, obviously you didn't. You lost to uh, to Florida, and you know if you talk to uh, to Ray, he was just you know basically saying you guys were out of gas. But uh, upsetting Penguins that was that was gnarly. You must like you said you're a rookie, so you're like, hey, this is cool. But looking back on it, wow, what a, what a what an upset. It really was. It was, uh, you know, it feels like yesterday, but it was a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. uh, the fact that we beat him was, you know, no one would have thought we would have. Uh, you know, I, I actually, I got hurt in game, I can't remember what game it was, two or three or something, and uh-huh. I, I had to watch the, the final game from Long Island. I couldn't go with the team. And, uh, you know, I still just, the fact that we beat the Penguins that year, I think it was, you know, arguably it could have been one of the bigger upsets. Oh, yeah. In, you know, the history of the game, really. And uh, you know, it's funny what a team can do when they when they come together and, and they gel together and, and uh, they get on a roll, and there's no better example than that. And you guys didn't even have Turgeon. He was out with the – Dale Hunter cleaned him out the the season the series before, I believe. So Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, he did. You're right. That's when uh, he took the nasty hit. and. You know, again, like a team comes together, you have guys stepping up. Obviously, Ray had an incredible uh, playoff that year. And, and the list, you know, yeah. you don't beat a team like Pittsburgh without your whole team playing well. Glenn Healy was amazing in that. And, uh, you know, every guy probably played yeah. their best hockey of their lives. It's funny with you, when I look back at your career, like, you know, you look at your stats, you were drafted second round, so, you know, pretty high up. You scored 20 goals a, f- a bunch of times. But the other times, I remember, especially like with the Leafs, you were the third line center. Like, you're shutting guys yeah. down. And right. I guess for you, like, you scored in junior, you got 50 goals. Um, you got to get in where you fit in. And if all of a sudden, if the coach is like, hey, you know, you can get some playing time shutting guys down, um, you do it, right? For sure, I think you know what happens with guys' careers is they find that they find you know what they are. They, they right. realize what they are. For me, I, even though I had years where I had you know had a fair amount of points, yeah. scored a lot of goals. Uh, if you look, those teams weren't very successful, and that happens a lot. Where you know teams that aren't very good, players are playing higher up the lineup than they should, and. Uh, you know, I think on a good team, I was best fit for a third-line center. And on a really Stanley Cup team, a guy that's on his fourth-line, fourth third-line. Right. And, uh, you know, I felt that it probably took me seven years in the NHL to really become the player that I liked. Uh, I would say it happened probably in my second year, first year in Phoenix, mm-hmm. um, where I finally kind of realized – my my best hockey was played playing kind of that checking role, chip in when I can, when guys get hurt, 
you know, I can go up and play on the second line or, yeah. you know, second power play unit and really, uh, in, really enjoyed it. I enjoyed going to the rink and playing that way, not worrying about scoring, uh, you know, worrying about winning face-offs, killing penalties, you know, finding hits and kind of playing a greasy game. And, uh, you know, I, I'd say I honestly, the last seven years compared to the first seven were a lot more enjoyable for me because I, Interesting. I, yeah. I, I you, found that role that I, I really enjoyed. Yeah, because you had better stats your first seven, you know? Like, yeah. Like uh, you were, you no, know. I did. Yeah, 70 points in 69 games, 64 points in 79 games. Like, good numbers. And that's funny that you say that. Like, you just. Yeah, it was. Yeah. But, again, it was like, yeah. it was almost, uh, you know, ultimately, I don't think that was the player, the my best player. Right, my best right. player was a guy that just, I enjoy, I thought the the player at my end of career of my career was better than the player at the beginning of my career. I, I think yeah. I matured a lot as the years went by, and uh, you know it helps me in coaching still to this day. Like, yeah, I look at how I was when I was a rookie t- compared to when I was at the end of my career. It, you learn a lot over the course of fourteen, fifteen years, and you change. And I was fortunate enough to to be able to to change as a player. I think mentally to to really find and stay in the NHL. Right. Yeah, I remember there was a stretch. I think it was with the Leafs because obviously I'd follow them closely being a fan. There was injuries, and you got to go on a power play, and you were producing pretty well, and I think you were up on the second line. I want to say you were on the wing, though, like just because of injuries. Yeah, probably. And, yeah. and, and you were producing pretty well, and someone came back, and I think that probably the media going to you to get an, uh, uh, a, a thing about how pissed off you were, or, or F. Pat Quinn, and you were like, yep, I'm good. Back to my role. I know my role. And I was always like, oh, okay, because you could score. When given some minutes, you know, right? Um, but you were just like, yeah, no, this guy. It was Roberts, maybe, or somebody came back, and you're like, okay, right. yeah, back to the center. <laughs> well, you know, and earlier in my career, I probably wouldn't have had the same response. Right, I probably right. wouldn't have, put, you know, I probably wouldn't have played as well. Like uh, it would have affected me, and I would have thought that I, you know, I should be up here, there, and yeah. I, you know, and ultimately, I, t- I I try to tell this to my players, like if you can just play to win. And that's easier said than done because everyone thinks the players are always playing to win. But <laughs> if you think about it and you, and you really look at yourself and dig, look deep inside, like when you play to win, you just, you just play hard and you just do whatever's good for the team. And, and, you, and you don't, you sacrifice maybe yeah. personal things for the win, the victory. And, and at the end of the night, you're happy when the team wins and you're in however way you contributed. And you're really mad when you lose. And, yeah. uh, you know, I think early in my career, everyone says it, I, not just me, but a lot of, you know, a lot of players have said, you know, I've seen it in players and I see it now. Like, you know, if they play well or they play a lot or they score or whatever, they're still, they're not quite as upset yeah. if they lose and they're not quite as happy as they win. And, you know, those last seven years, you know, I loved winning. And, uh, you know, I think good teams and championship teams, they have that, Fled throughout their locker room, where it's all about winning. Uh, you're happy for the guy when he does well, right? And uh, you feel for the guy if he's not playing well and, and maybe had a tough game. And, and it's it's hard to get the right group of players to do that. But if you can get them to really sit back and think about it and look at it, um, you know, you can change. I think you can get players to get yeah. to that place too. Yeah, unlike basketball, NFL, baseball. Hockey is a sport where the the greater 
some of the group can overcome individual skill. And I don't like in the NFL, your quarterback has to have a good day. Baseball's all about, you know, your own stats. Basketball, the star can take over and win a game. But it can't really happen in hockey as far as a cup team, you know? It's always like these teams that, that win seem to, like you said, they're throwing themselves in front of shots. No one cares who scores. It's just whatever. It's interesting. Yeah, no, you're yeah. right. Yeah. And, and, you're, and even your star players have appreciation for for the guys on the third and fourth line. And, and even more so in today's game, like, you know, there's good players on fourth line on, on Stanley Cup teams. Yeah. And, uh don't kid yourself. Those guys are sacrificing because they, on a lot of teams in the, in the NHL, they're probably second or third liners. And, uh, you know, it takes, it takes, it's hard to win. It's hard to win in the NHL. It's, it's hard to win four rounds of a, mm-hmm. a playoffs in any series and of any, in any league. And, uh, there's a lot of sacrifice that goes into it. It's not just about skill and who has the best team. It's about the will to win within your group. When you got traded from uh, Islanders to the Ducks, uh, did you know that was coming? It was in February, and uh, again, you were putting up good stats, like we talked about. How did did you know that was coming? Was it kind of a shock? I think it's always a shock. Yep. When you get traded, obviously your first trade the most shocking. I uh, did I know it was coming? I don't think so. I don't remember knowing it was coming. Right. Uh, did I? I, I I believe I knew that there was possibilities because I think you know we were we were going through a lot of change then. <clears throat> Mike was trying to change the team, mm-hmm. and uh, it, it always is a shock. And, and <clears throat> but I look at it now and I look back and it was, you know, it was probably a good thing for me. Uh, I had only known the Islanders. I think that was the start of, of me becoming and changing into a better player and uh, just a better hockey player. I, I felt like every time I. That was the start of it, right? Um, but the cool thing about being on the uh, on the Ducks was uh, Timu and Korea were pretty much in their prime then, and you probably had to practice against yeah. them. And you're like, oh god. <laughs> it was. I was never. You know, it's funny. People ask a lot. You know, fans of the game and and you know, wow, you played with this guy, you played with yeah. that guy, and and you know, when you're a player and you're in the league, you're, you never look at it like that. They're just other guys on the team, and they're. They're friends of yours, Paul. You know, Paul's one of my better friends to this day. He still lives in in Anaheim, and obviously I'm out there as well. So right. uh, they're just friendships that you bond. And uh, but playing with both those guys, you know, as far as the best players that I've had a chance to play with, they'd both be, you know, in my top whatever five players yeah. of all time that I've got to play with. Yeah, really, right. Uh, you moved to Phoenix. You had a good year in Phoenix, um, and also too with Ronick and Kachuk, and uh, that must have been a fun place to live and play and everything else. It was. It was. It was. It was a fun group. Uh, again, made a lot of good friends there. Uh, you know, Jeremy, Jeremy and I are good friends. Still are today, and, and obviously we had a group of guys that you know, flamboyant group that yeah. uh, were a fun group to be around, and I love the way they played the game. Uh, you know, Shane Dillon was a young guy then, but still, you know, had a lot. You could see how good a player he was going to be. And, uh, you know, real fond memories from Phoenix. I got to play under uh, Bobby Francis, who, uh, you know, did a hell of a job there. Yeah. Uh, I believe, you know, I can't remember if he won the coach of the year that year or if it was a few years later. But uh, Yeah, he won it. Yeah, he won it from there for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it was, it was fond memories there. 
Did you notice a huge change? Obviously, the you know you're in New York to start your career, but it's the Islanders, so they don't get the same attention as the Rangers. Uh, you go to Anaheim, right. you go to Phoenix, and those are Sun Belt cities and nice to live in, but it's not exactly a lot of pressure. And uh, and then you go to the Leafs. Um, you get you you uh, uh, get traded to the Leafs. I think with Reichel, if I remember right, it was you and Reichel. And um, all of a sudden, it's like you're back in the meat grinder of Toronto, and everything's the biggest deal. And there's 400 media guys. How did you like that? Was that a did you did you enjoy it, or was that kind of a part of the game that you didn't like? Um, you know what? Going like you said in New York, it was uh, you know you're it wasn't the Rangers, right? And uh, then going to Anaheim and Phoenix, you're uh, you're really out of the media's eye, mm-hmm. and. Uh, Going to Toronto now, you're into the you know the eye of the storm. Sure. Um, so it, it, I I enjoyed it. I mean, I think every Canadian kid that grows up watching and hockey night in Canada, uh, you know, you dream about playing Saturday night. And, yeah. For me, it was great. Uh, I loved playing in Toronto. Uh, we had good teams. Yep. People were passionate about it, and uh, obviously the media was a bit of a circus, but, you know, it didn't affect me as much as, say, a guy like Matt Sundin, obviously. So I could stand back and just watch and take it all in. And, <laughs> yeah. and uh, you know, once in a while I would get some attention, but most of the time right. it wasn't on me. So it didn't affect me the way it would affect other players. But to play in an area where uh, they're so passionate, yeah. uh, so it, it was. I enjoyed it. What was it like being teammates with McGillney? He was a uh, he was a guy that like I he was funny in some post race or post post uh, game interviews, and he had a tremendous amount of skill. But I could never figure the guy out. I didn't know if he cared about winning or losing. It seemed it seemed like he was just kind of having fun, like not real not real dedicated, like t- but shit tons of skill. But what was he like? Was was it? Did it make you shake your head sometimes, Adam? Because I read uh, I read interviews with him and I'm like, what is this guy's deal? You know what? Elmo is he's one of the best players I've ever played with, most skilled guys ever. Yeah, um, possibly the best player I've played with. Uh, but on the other hand, he was pretty laid back. Elmo yeah, was like a guy that he ever? you know he came to the ring, <laughs> he played. Uh, you know, when he went home. He didn't lose a lot of sleep over the game. He didn't no. get nervous about games. And, uh, yeah. you know, but yet that's probably what made him good. You know, I'll give you an example. One night we're in Ottawa. I think we win 6-4. And we play the very next night at home. We get the home and home. Uh-huh. And he gets three goals and two assists. And we win 3-2 to two or, or yeah. sorry, 6-4 to four or 7 to something like that. Yeah. He's got three and two. And we come to the rink the next night, no morning skate or anything because it was back-to-back games right. in, you know, later. And uh, I get there, and he's got, like, these mission skates in his stall and a mission stick. <laughs> okay. I mean, that's, that's, that's odd. But, yeah. You know, I'm just, I don't really think much of it. And then we're going out for warm-up, and he's wearing them and using this stick. <laughs> and I'm like, come on, what are you doing? Right. Oh, I'm going to try these sk- skates and stick. I said, you just got three goals last night. And to assist using, you know, <laughs> Something. he's never even tried a mission stick or worn the, a pair of mission skates. And he's just wearing them in the game. 
Like, you wouldn't be able to pry that stick out of my hand for a month. I know, right? Like yeah, they, so they that were, kind of gives you an idea of right. what he was like. They would interview him and be like, what about that tremendous goal? Ah, I got lucky. Or, 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 you know, how devastated are you about this loss? Ah, it's just a hockey game. Or, you know, how happy are you? Ah, yeah, it's good. Like, <laughs> I could never figure the guy out. I'm like, does he care? Does he care about this? <laughs> because uh, Yeah, he wondered. But you know what? Right. I, I, Elmo played hard. When he when he played, he played hard. And he scored some big goals for us in Toronto. And, and uh, <clears throat> you know, it's easy to say, yeah. hey, did he, was he too laid back? Or, but yeah, I mean. He's a pretty good player. Damn good player, yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Um, that playoff run between the Islanders series, you had the Darcy Tucker. Uh, thing with with um, Pekka, right? I think it was Pekka, and uh, and then the Senators in seven, and then the the we'll we'll get the Hurricanes, but that must have been I don't know I'm just guessing Travis, but was that maybe the most intense hockey you played those two series? Because I as a fan, they were gritty, hard hitting, like emotional series. It was. Uh, I'm trying to remember. It went Islanders Ottawa, didn't it? Yeah, Islanders first. Yep. Yeah, yeah, and they were both seven gamers. Both seven, yeah. Uh, the Islanders series was, was without a doubt the uh, the most physical, intense series that way that I've ever been a part of. Uh, it was a you know borderline dirty series. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, guys, a lot of guys getting hurt. Uh, a lot of cheap. You know, there were some cheap cheap shots taken from both sides. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it was a real, it was a battle for sure. And, uh, you know, when we came out of that series, uh, that was one of those series where you were just thankful that you had game seven at home. Yeah. It was such a hard series that I thought the home ice really made a difference for us. And the Islanders really, I felt like they played so well in their building and they were so physical in their building that, uh, we were thankful that we had game seven in our building. Cause obviously we were, we were good at home with our crowd and then you know going into Ottawa you knew that would be a battle yep and it was, it was again I think we had game seven in our building we had to win game six in their building mm-hmm. I, I believe and uh to get it back to ours uh so that was another one and when we got to uh it, it would have been Carolina next yeah which was not to mention the injuries we had like Matt's was out uh I think Tucker was out, Domi was out, and they, yep. they came back that series, I believe. And, uh, you know, I think we lost three out of four of the games out of their four wins were in overtime. Mm-hmm. And uh, Yeah, it was, um, as, a, as, know, a, yeah, as a guy watching it, sorry, uh, when Mats came back, I'm like, okay, they got it now because here comes Mats. And I think he came back for the last two games, and, and yeah, both games were lost. I'm like, what happened? Mats was back. <laughs> Yeah, and you know, it's it's people think it's just that easy, like, yep. and it's not. Uh, I mean, even when you come back from injuries at that time of the year, it's not easy. It's, it's you get to the semifinals. You know, it's, it's it's hard hockey. It's close hockey, no matter who's in the lineup. And uh, I know we lost. Like I said, when you lose three out of four in overtime, that you know that that's it was that close of a series that uh, yeah, it could have gone either way. Then again, the the finals, the Detroit was in the finals with that juggernaut team. So I don't know if it would have gone. Any, I don't know for how well it would have gone had you guys got past uh, right Carolina. Right. Well, you never know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, exactly right. Uh, from after the Leafs, you move on to Boston. How'd you enjoy your time there? I did. I loved Boston. Yep. Uh, great city. I got to live downtown. Uh, you know, real sporting town. You know, we talked about a gritty city like Utica, yeah. but Boston's kind of like. 
they've got a bit of a gritty mindset to them, and it was uh, they like their hard hitting hockey. Uh, I enjoyed playing there. A uh, couple great years, had some great friendships from there. Uh, obviously, I played with Mike Sullivan, had him as a coach. Yeah. Um, you know, my brother was living; he lives in Boston, so it was nice. It oh, was, cool! Was, you know, I enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah, that would be even better, right? Having your brother there—that's cool. Um, For sure. Dude, thirty games short of a thousand when you wrapped it up, man. That—that that, I mean, obviously, I'm sure you don't lay awake at night thinking about it, but that, yeah, that sucks. Would have been nice to get thirty more, right? Um, definitely. The, the, it, yeah. You know, you got injured at least thirty many times, so yeah. Yeah, it was. I mean, I look. You know, people ask me that a lot, and and again, it would have been nice to get to the thousand number. Yeah, it would have been. I think. Yeah. Probably was more uh, worried about a little more of them than I do now, and uh, but again, it's you know nine seventy a thousand is a it's not a huge difference. I look yeah. back at my career, I'm I'm super fortunate to have been able to play that many games and never once took it for granted, uh, and uh, it always felt like it was a privilege. Yeah, I guess looking back on it, look when you when you've been out of it and now you're coaching and you're in the bus, you're you know busting in the AHL again. Like you never went down there after you made the league, and that says something. Like you're you know you were just an NHL guy for for that long minute, for 970 games, and that's hard work and that's dedication, and you got to be pumped and proud on that. Like there was nobody ever thought, oh, let's send Travis Green down. Like we need him, you know, and and that's that's got to be a cool feeling. It was like you said, like you know. To play in the NHL is a lifelong dream. So many kids dream about it. And uh, it, it was every step of the way. Uh, people ask me, what was your most memorable moment? And I, I got, a lot of times um, it's hard for me to pick one because I didn't win the Stanley Cup. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, went to the semifinals a couple times. But the whole thing was was great. The whole My whole career it was privileged to be there. Uh, I, I never felt like I was one of those players that had an automatic spot on the team. Uh-huh. Uh, it was a grind to, to stay in the NHL, and, and uh, I enjoyed every minute of it. Like you said, when you retired, you got right back into coaching. Did you think about media work, or did you did you did you think about that, or now just coaching uh, is what you want to do? I, a little bit, but I I really want to stay in the game. I love I love being the competitive side of the game. Right. Uh, you know, and I think deep down I knew, I probably knew the last three or four years that I was going to get into coaching or into the management side, and, and uh, I'm happy I did. Yep. Uh, well, cool. Travis, thank you for doing this. I really appreciate the time. Uh, nice, uh, like I said, I'm sure you don't pay attention to it, but whenever I read about the next, you know, hot, hot coaching hire, you're on the list. So, yeah, well, I think it's <laughs> nice to hear that. And, you know what, for me, uh, that's ultimately my goal is I want to I want to get back to the NHL as a head coach um, and hopefully I get there. Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think you will for sure. Well, thanks for taking time for the Pulp Hockey Podcast. Uh, good luck no in problem, Utica. Bud. And uh, I really appreciate your time. Thanks, man. All right. Thanks, Steve. Thanks.